Welcome to the Chaka Life podcast. Today I'm talking to Julie Bennett of rvlove.com. She and her husband, Mark, are a couple of location independent professionals fulfilling their lifelong mission to explore the world. They gave it all up and moved into an RV and are now traveling all around North America. And they, their mission is to travel, love, and be happy. Welcome, Julie. Hi, Ingrid. How are you? <laughs> Good. It's great to talk to you. I've um, been admiring your website. I love, um, I love what you're doing. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, how you ended up um, you know, taking this giant leap to uh, move out of your house and into an RV and start traveling the country. Well, that's a good question because <laughs> it, it, is, it is a giant leap because it's definitely a big step in life to uh, make a decision to sell your home, which is what we did. We had a townhome in Colorado that we had for, I think, about four years and decided to sell that and buy an RV and hit the road and travel the USA. And, you know, it, it, it is a giant step, but it's not like it just happened overnight. I think if, if we look, go back to the steps, you know, I could probably go back as far as 2007 when I was starting to make decisions in my life and my business in Australia that I really didn't want my business to be tying me down to a particular location. So I think I had that awareness probably a good, you know, seven years before, six, seven years before that. But it wasn't until 2013, October 2013, that we started really seriously having a conversation about living this way, and uh, and we hit the road in June 2014. So that it was about it was about seven months from when we really started talking about it seriously to when we pulled the trigger and sold a house and hit the road. Yeah, and that's fast. I mean, I think uh, seven months is yeah, that's not too much time. How did you accomplish everything you needed to do in order to um, feel confident in going out? Or do you mm. feel like you did? That well, that's a good question because you know when it, it first started, we, we were we liked doing vision boards and and really putting time and effort into thinking about what we want what we want to create in our life. We're not people who just let our lives happen by accident. And it was a Friday night, and we were sitting down in the TV sort of media room with the iPod projected onto the big screen TV and and say, well, what do we want to do and where do we want to go? And we created a Pinterest board. And uh, so it was just very random. Oh, I'd like to go here. I'd like to go there. I'd like to see the Grand Canyon. I'd like to go to Greece. I'd like to, you know, and we're just putting anything and everything, which, of course, is so easy to do on, on Pinterest because it's such a visual feast of fabulous experiences and, and ideas and places. And what we realized is we identified a theme. It's like, wow, this theme is really about travel and experiences and places. We haven't got things on here. We'd already, um, we'd already decorated and nested our home. So that was kind of done. We'd you know, finished the basement. That was done. We'd changed out our car situation to something that we really loved. So that was done. So once we realized that, we started talking more seriously. And, and, then, and then the next morning, Mark actually reminded me he said, don't you remember back in 2011 in Colorado Springs, we were at this pizza restaurant in, in, on a, coming back from the sand dunes and we got chatting to this couple who are from, were from Florida who were affected by the housing crisis of 2007 and 8. And so they 
lost 40% of the value of their homes and decided to just, you know, walk away from it all, buy an RV and start traveling full time. And they were so incredibly inspiring to us. But of course, you know, we thought that was great, drove home, life got in the way, I got a new job, we got married and started nesting in our home. So, so the conversation and the idea was part, I guess, just because, oh, well, that would be fun one day. And then it, it stayed in the one day bucket until this day in 2013. And then once we started having the conversation and Mark reminded me about the Moheim idea, we thought, oh, that would be cool. And, and I think the first step was overcoming our, um, I think, just lack of education around, well, how much does it even cost to buy one of these things? Because we thought they're like hundreds of thousands of dollars, which of course, you know, it's not like anyone has that kind of money laying around. <laughs> not, not too many people I know. And so I did a, a search on Craigslist, I think, and I started seeing them for under 100. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's not, that felt more achievable. So that kind of just opened up researching more. And then we started looking more. And, and the more we researched, the more we looked, and the more we thought, well, if we're going to do this, let's do it full time. Because Mark's job was fortunately already a virtual role. He had a new job. He'd always wanted to work from home, and he'd started just. Uh, six months earlier in a job where he was able to work from home. So that, that was a big part of the puzzle, I think, that was in place before we even decided to do this. Yeah, so, you know, the thing is, you are not, um, you're mid-career professionals. You're not retired. You're not 20-something. So exactly. this is highly unusual, I think, um, wouldn't you say? I think I'm starting to realize that more and more. And I think because I'm an Australian and we're a pretty well-traveled country yes. and, and that's not uncommon. It didn't seem as unusual to me and I've done some travel, but um, certainly I've come to realize in the United States it's definitely less common. It's much easier for 20-somethings to go and do something like this because, you know, they don't have the commitments or they, they're not as invested in a career or a family or any of those kinds of things typically as yet. And we retired people, of course, they've probably had this vision for many years and then waited till they reached a point and they, they had income from retirement or a pension or social security or whatever it is they have or sell their house. But people in our age group, probably in that, I don't know, in the, well, we're in our 40s, so people sort of in that maybe 30 to 50, 35 to 50, 55 range, it is definitely more unusual. Uh, we do definitely see them out there, whether they're couples like us or families. But we're definitely a smaller demographic than, than yeah, than retirees, obviously. But you know, that also makes me think about how about meeting people along the way that are you're going to not meet people in your similar situation. How how does that work, or is that encouraging, discouraging, or does it matter? Well, we're actually Ingrid meeting more people in our um, situation than, than we thought or even than we were before and I think the reason for that is one of the things is we joined a camping network which is a, a network of about 80 campgrounds around the country with a company called Thousand Trails and they so when you're a member of that so when you're staying at campgrounds you often run into the same people if they're traveling in a similar uh, geographical area as you say so for example when we we're in in oregon we met a couple and then we as we discovered through conversation or future visits we ran into each other at three or four different locations over the next few months so we we became friends with them and you know we'd have wine and dinner and you know play board games and cards and things but we're finding that has definitely been a way to meet other people. But I think we meet a lot more people that are of a similar mindset to us because 
anyone who's doing this has stepped out of the norm of society, uh, particularly non-retired people. So we meet other couples who are working, who have their own businesses or who have virtual jobs, other couples that have retired young or early. So some people are just taking a year, a year off work and life as a sabbatical. So that, that happens too, or in between jobs. So, so I think we're actually meeting more of the kind of people that we really enjoy connecting with because everybody's, it's a mindset, right? It's about having the courage to do something different and to, to step into a whole different life, not knowing what you're getting yourself into. Right, exactly. And you know, the thing is, I, I, you have on your website, rvlove.com, so mm. many practical answers to this that I probably won't delve that much into the practicality because you have a wonderful way of just spelling out how you get your internet, how you decided to buy what kind of RV, um, I mean, basically how you packed up and left. So, um, and I think that's fantastic. I'm, I'm a little bit more curious sort of about the emotional advice you would give to people. And, and the funny thing is you're Australian, your husband's American, mm -hmm. and like you said, Auss Aussies, if you travel around the world, you will see them everywhere. And they go for months at a time. It's no big deal. It's, it's in fact a rite of passage. And I think Americans, um, we're, we are probably the polar opposite, I would say. So I'm very curious how you as a couple um, what kind of advice you would give, um, and did you have any any trials sort of getting to the same place? I know you talked about, you looked and you talked about things, but how did that come about? Um, I think that is an excellent point because that is something I've reflected to Mark just only in the last few weeks, is my awareness of the cultural differences between Australia and the US. And you're right, Australians travel everywhere. And so that's never been such a big deal for me. It's kind of, like you say, it's a cultural thing. Whereas here in the US, way less common. In fact, when I met Mark, my husband, back in 2010, I, I did ask him about his travel aspirations because it's so important and high value to me. And, and he was pretty clear that, well, you know, I love Colorado. I've spent my whole life in Colorado. My entire extended family is in Colorado. And so, you know, I, I pretty much don't see myself living anywhere than Colorado. And I remember having that thought because we knew the relationship was going somewhere serious and somewhere special. And, and I remember thinking, but I asked him about his interest in travel in general, but he was definitely interested in exploring and seeing more of the world and seeing other places. So I'm like, you know what? That's great. As long as he's open to travel and doesn't just want to stay stuck in one place and never go anywhere, then then I can work with that because I loved Colorado too. And so what, what the turning point was though, in December 2012, we flew to Australia for the first time together. It was Mark's first trip overseas apart from um, trips to Mexico, which he doesn't count because it's kind of not really overseas. It's right, technically it's, internet, right, yeah. so it's not counted. <laughs> so it was his first time he was nervous because it's a long flight. It's, it's something like 14, 15 hours just from LA to Sydney. But uh, we were there for three and a half weeks and he met a lot of my friends and family. And, and the thing that he brought home with was, wow, your friends and family are so well-traveled. Like it seemed like everybody that I met has seen so much of the world and it just makes me realize that I haven't and it just makes me realize that you know I've I, apart from business travel around the country I really haven't traveled that much so I think experiencing and talking to and meeting other people that had done that really opened up his world and his mind and the funny thing about that is he's really the one that has driven this whole 
adventure. Pardon the pun. Like literally, literally <laughs> does the drive. Right. I, I, I wasn't the one pushing it because I always had in the back of my mind, well, he's always going to want to live in Colorado, but he was the one that was really actively um, moving this along. And together we did a lot of research and we don't have children. Uh, and so, you know, Mark's really good about work-life balance. He just does his 40 hours. So, so we had a lot of time after hours and on weekends to explore and research. So... You know, that's, I think, how we managed to do it so quickly in that seven months from, you know, idea to driving off into the sunset. (laughs) But literally, we put hundreds of hours of research into this. And I know of couples that just say, hey, let's do it and jump in and go. But we we didn't do that. It was a very big decision for us on a number of levels there. But it was very, very well researched and considered and thought out. But, but yeah, he he was really the driver and, and that trip to Australia kind of, gave him the bug and and having already a virtual job it was like well and technology these days with with um you know wi-fi so easily available through your cell plans through verizon and that kind of a thing it it became a a no-brainer well now then the other side of the coin is you must have had um the family and friends and the naysayers who were just like, you guys are crazy what are you doing you know giving up your great lifestyle and take you know driving off into who knows what um, at this time in your life. How did you deal with that kind of thing? Yes, that is a big one because I think Mark's family was uh, shocked when we first told them what we were thinking. Initially, they thought it was great because his brothers both had campers and they did that growing up. But I think as the realisation started to sink in that, no, we're not just getting a camper. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We're thinking about getting a big bus and living in it and going off and doing this full time, then it started to sink in. And I think his brothers didn't believe it because um, one thing I have noticed a lot, again, it's a cultural difference, and I've come to realise this over the last month or two, is there are a lot of people that talk about what they want to do or talk about their dreams and ideas, and that seems very common to just do that, talk about it, but it's a very small number of people that actually take steps in action in the direction of what it is they want to do. And I'm, I'm noticing it more and more and more. And for me, if, if I talk about something, I do it. So when somebody says they're going to do something, I believe them and I think they're going to do it. So, so it kind of was surprising to me the number of people that don't and, and why they are so shocked that we are doing what we said we were going to do. People are really shocked because they they think, well, when you just talk about it, that's all you do, right? right? You just talk about it, but you're actually doing it. And that does shake people up. It, it was very challenging for Mark's mom. Uh, he's, uh, it, this, she's very family oriented, as obviously many moms are, and, and Mark is as well. His brothers are his best friends, but, you know, they're very busy with their own lives. They have, you know, wives and children and busy jobs, and, and they're very much, you know, that is their world. And, and our world's really different and not having that busy schedule of work and commutes and, and I mean, long, I mean, we do work, but not, you know, doing 50, 60, 80 hours a week like many people. We don't have commutes. We don't have children. We have a lot more time. And what we found is a lot of our friends and family were all just busy with life. They're just busy, hard to make plans, hard to make commitments, hard to spend any time with them. And so for us, it, it got really a little sad <laughs> and yeah. lonely and boring. It's like, well, we can't put our lives on hold until your kids grow up or until you're in a different situation because the reality is that may not ever happen for people. So 
it, it was difficult. I think once they realised we were serious and we were doing it, I think they definitely started having more um, more responses. And, and it, we've had definitely some people say, oh, my gosh, you know, that's awesome. You guys, we're so inspired. You, you know, I'm jealous. I want to do that. You're living my dream. Definitely have had a lot of those. And we've also, I'm sure, had some people thinking, what the heck are they thinking? Like, you know, they don't <laughs> say it, but they'll think, you're a little crazy. Why well, not be? Yeah. Do you, do you find yourself, because I also read about your other website, uh, theglobaljewels.com, and you've had a lot of, um, you have a lot of experience with sort of um, uh, life teachers and um, either Eckhart Tolle types and that kind of thing. And I'm wondering if you have a way, if you've become sort of an ambassador for living your dreams, going after things that you want, and, and how would you tell people to do that who are really stuck, who have so much fear, they just can't move, and maybe they, yeah. maybe they could do it if they, you know, put their hearts into it? Well, absolutely, everybody could do it. And, and I think, as I said, culturally, I've come from a country where that is, I think, you know, very common to take a gap year or take time off from work. And we get a lot more vacation in Australia. You get four weeks a year is, is standard. You're allowed to roll it over and, you know, take two months off the following year. You can't do that here. Yeah. So I think the mindset is very different here in the US. But I don't, you know, this is not exclusive to any particular person. Anyone can do this around the world. Now, can you just pack up and take off tomorrow? Probably not, unless you're a 20-something and you, you're that kind of thinker. But I think for most people, I, I think a lot of people don't have even the awareness or belief that I can actually do something that I want to do, that I dream about. And dreams don't have to stay dreams. Dreams can become reality. And I would suggest to anyone to just, just start with little steps. Start with little dreams. I mean, it might be your dream to cut your hours down to 40 hours a week from 45. I mean, for some people, that's that's a big step, big start. It might be, you know, going and doing more things on weekends or exploring more of your local area or having a quarterly, you know, three-day weekend away. You know, there are so many little steps that people can take to expand their life beyond just, you know, work and commutants and errands and chores and kids. I mean, and there are plenty of families who do what we're doing with kids too. And I'm certainly not suggesting this is for everybody, but it's not even about the RV lifestyle. It's just about stepping out of what you're doing and taking a step in the direction of more of what you want to be doing, what you want to be experiencing, things you want to see, things you want to do. So I think it all just starts with a little step. I think people get crippled sometimes thinking about, well, that just feels so far beyond me, either financially or time-wise or, or it's so different. But you know, how we got to where we are was as a series of little steps. So, yes, it took about seven months and we did fast track it, but, but we were moving along very quickly with what we were doing. But it was a series of steps. We sat down and we did a budget. We worked out what does it cost us to live like this. We did a lot of research following other bloggers and other travellers to see, well, what is their budget and what kind of expenses do they have that we need to factor in? And documenting all of that in Excel spreadsheet and saying, well, how manageable is this? And and, you know, where do we think we can make some adjustments in our life? For example, we had two cars and two car payments because we both had jobs that we used to drive to an office and back. So we needed two cars. And I think that's a fairly typical state for, for any household. And certainly an American household, it's not uncommon to have two vehicles under finance. And we thought, well, well why don't we 
sell the two cars, get rid of the car payments, and then with the money we had left over, we were able to pay cash for the vehicle that we now drive, which is actually the best of both worlds of our previous cars. The Subaru WRX was a sporty car. The Miata was a convertible. Now we've got a mini Cooper S convertible, so it's a sporty convertible. So we've got, well, <laughs> and a back seat. So it's got right. the best of what we loved about one car and what we loved about the other, but we have no payment. We paid cash. And so, you know, we, in fact, our payment on our RV, because you can get a mortgage on an RV just like you can a home, the payment on that each month is less than what our two payments were on our cars. Well, you know, that's what I, uh, that brings me to another question I had because I know that when I backpacked around the world, it was actually cheaper for me to live that way than it was to stay at home in the U.S. and, and have all the typical expenses that a, that a working person has. And, and what are you finding about living in an RV? Is it similar or not? Yes, and that's an excellent point you raised because I think if sometimes people think that the, the cost of living is what they're experiencing now and here or in this city or in this state or in this country. No, it's, that's one of the reasons when I moved from the, uh, Australia to the US, my business had imploded after the economic meltdown and I couldn't afford to stay in my apartment. I couldn't afford my car payment. <laughs> But I couldn't afford to move out of it either. And, and so I moved to the US and I sublet my place in Sydney. And for the money I got, it paid for the rent in Sydney and in Boulder. So I actually lived rent free for three months. So that was kind of my creative solution like yours was to live, have those travel experiences, but do it less expensively. And what we find here in, in the RV lifestyle is it does cost us less because we don't have utility bills. Well, we no longer have a mortgage or or I should say we do have a mortgage on the RV but it's you know very small compared to what the the house mortgage was we don't have an HOA payment that we used to have on our townhome uh, like I said we don't have utility bills and what's the big difference here um, Ingrid because you can live any kind of travel lifestyle it doesn't have to be RV but any kind of traveling lifestyle as big or as small as you want and that's why when people say well how much does it cost to do that is like asking how long is a piece of string because <laughs> you can do this big I mean right. you can you right. can buy a coach for a million dollars if you want right. or three hundred like a rock star <laughs> you can and you can stay in the expensive eighty dollar a night campgrounds and you can go out you can do that or you could buy a little old camper for probably eight or ten thousand and and put solar on it and go live out in the boondocks and live for next to nothing and eat noodles and baked beans and live for next to nothing. <laughs> right. Well, we're, we're kind of in the we, we consider ourselves living pretty big in the sense that, um, you know, we go out for dinner. We are not afraid to spend, put money in gas in the car and go out exploring. We put as many miles on our mini that we tow as we do in the coach because once we're with the coach, we, we're in one location for two or three weeks at a time. But then in the mini, we'll do all of our exploring and the gas mileage is immensely more economical on that than the coach. But, you know, the, the big difference is in, with our regular life, about two-thirds of our expenses were fixed and about one-third was variable. So gas, food, eating out, entertainment. It's been flipped. So in this lifestyle, a third of our expenses are fixed, being the repayment on the RV, our insurance, you know, health insurance, that kind of a thing. And two-thirds is variable because we can decide to just spend, we could stay three months in one place if we wanted and you get much better rates staying at a place for longer periods of time than just for a few nights or a week. Right. So there's a saving right there. You're not driving the RV, so you save a lot of money in gas 
and tolls if you're in those kind of areas as well. And you don't have to go out exploring as much in the, in the vehicle. You can either keep it more local, you can bike, you can walk, you can get public transport, you can eat in, you don't have to eat out, and obviously you can vary how much you spend. I mean, we, we try to buy organic as much as possible, and we, we know we pay a premium for that, but we have a high value on health and well-being, and we'll spend more on something because it's organic than something just because it's cheap. That's our personal choice. So, you know... Somebody may, that may not be a high value for them, so you can save money on that. But, you know, gas, gas is a big one. So, so our variable expenses are important because if ever anything happens or if we, you know, if we got hit with a big unexpected bill and we needed to pull in the belt, it's a lot easier to do to just scale down your lifestyle than not make your mortgage payment. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. Yeah, and that's well, the biggest difference, I think. Yeah, and I, I think that's what uh, people's fear is, that somehow it will cost far more than just, you know, living the typical American lifestyle. And, and, and I think they're shocked when they find out the practicalities of it. Um, yep. So now, my other thing is, you've been doing this, what, about a year now? Oh, a bit over 13 months. Okay. Yep. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking that the year, the first year is probably the one with the most um, emotional ups and downs, the what ifs, the um, what should I have done differently? What did we do right? And can you give us a little rundown on that? Yeah, that's a really great question. I definitely had more concerns about doing this than Mark, which is interesting because yeah. I'm the one who's actually you know, lived in two different countries, has, I've travelled a lot more and I've had my own businesses for a long time and he, he hadn't. So I'd actually, it was kind of weird. It didn't, it didn't make sense logically that I was the one that had the more fears and concerns. But I think maybe, maybe it's being female. You know, we tend to like to nest. I know for me, when, when we, we moved into our townhome and bought our home together, you know, I, it was really important for me to nest and build community and make friends. And that was what I did when I moved to Boulder. So it was, I think I'm also an extrovert, Ingrid, and Mark's an introvert. So, you know, how we get our energy recharged is very different. He needs alone time out on his bike to recharge his batteries. I need social time with other people. So if I'm, I was really worried about meeting people and then having the same conversation every day. Oh, hi, where are you from? You know, right. oh, what do you do? And I was just so I was terrified. I was <laughs> going to be boring conversations that were really meaningless and not in-depth at all. But I have been very surprised, and I think it took a few months for me to really emotionally adjust and really get more into my swing of it because I started to realise as we met more and more people or we even started to make friends with people digitally through um, traveling networks and social media sites where you're sharing an interest and a passion and, and a way of life with other people. And so you're making friends that way. And, and plus with Skype and FaceTime, I have a lot of contact with my friends back in Australia and back in Colorado just through technology and Skype. And of course, social media helps, helps with that too. So I really take full advantage of all of those things because that is my need to fulfill my extroverted side. Or sometimes I'll jump in the car and I'll take my laptop down to a cafe and I'll hang out and work from there for the day. And even though I don't know anyone there, just being around the energy of other people somehow recharges my batteries. It drains Mark, but it recharges me. So I think having that knowing about myself and him having his knowing about his self and how we 
can take care of ourselves emotionally is a really big point. But I was sleeping a lot the first three months. I've always been a good sleeper, but I was sleeping a lot the first three months. And I, I actually do wonder if I was a little bit depressed. And, and I kind of hesitate to use that word because I, I don't think I was really depressed, but I definitely was not my my usual self. I definitely, I think I was feeling a little lost, maybe a little bit directionless, a little bit, well, I was adjusting. I was making a yeah. lot of adjustments in my life. And, and I definitely felt it more than Mark. He just, from day one, he was just boom, he was there, which was really extraordinary to me because, like I said, I've had a lot of change and moves and, and done all that by myself. Relocating alone to another country at age 40 is a huge thing. And, but I don't know, this seemed like more of an adjustment for me. And I think part of it because I let, we were letting go of our home, our regular home. Well, and also, do you think it had anything to do with the fact that he had, he still had his job, which was yes. every day, and you had, you kind of had gotten into a whole different world where everything was going to be sort of consulting or these other uh, things that you're doing. Yeah, and coaching and blogging. Absolutely. Yes, you're absolutely right there because he had structure in his day and in his week. He knew what time he was going to start, what time he was going to finish, and he was doing that Monday to Friday, and so he had that structure and focus. I was starting the blog and starting our video YouTube channel and so I was creating new content and in the early days we didn't have a very big following so I kind of felt a little bit like I was talking to an empty room so I was <laughs> and because I'm an extrovert and I need that feedback and interaction there right. was very little at the beginning so I had to keep showing up and producing content not even knowing if anyone was even reading it <laughs> I know the <laughs> feeling <laughs> no, it's like that for all bloggers, right? When you start, it's like that for all of us. And But then, you know, I just kept showing up and, and definitely when the blog started picking up and we started getting more followers and our YouTube channel really, really expanded quite, quite at around the six-month mark, actually, that kind of exploded by 400% around Christmas. So it was just that that kind of really gave me an injection of energy where suddenly I had more, more purpose and more focus and more structure and so now I'm finding that I'm just I'm really excited that I have this opportunity to write and create and do the things that I love doing while we're traveling and I've got things to write about and share because our life is so much more interesting so I've definitely had a big shift but you know it was also an emotional adjustment for me Ingrid just from my friendships and relationships because we went back to Colorado in June and uh, what was really challenging for me is I was so excited about seeing a lot of my friends and frankly, honestly, I would say more than half, maybe two thirds were just so incredibly busy with their lives that even though I'd been away for a year and we were back for this finite period of about eight or 10 weeks, so few of them could really show up and make the time to get together. And that was it was hurtful. Yeah, that's hurtful. But you know what? I It seems to me, though, it's often that um, I think when you take a leap like you did and you leave these friends behind, when you come back, you're, so, you're on such different wavelengths that um, I think sometimes that can make it difficult. And, you know, they don't even think about you just being there for eight weeks because in their mind, the life goes on the way it always did and they'll make time for you at some point. So... It's kind of interesting, I think, um, when you go back after you've been away. You know, that is what I came to realise. I think for the first month or so, I was taking it quite personally and I was really, I felt really sad that, you know, people couldn't show up and make a commitment and say they're going to show up and actually show up. It was, a, 
And that was really hard for me to, to kind of adjust to. But I, toward the end of our stay, I realised, you know what, exactly as you just said, you know, we've changed. But we didn't realise it because it was happening so gradually over the course of a year and our values and what's important to us and time and quality time and connection and real conversations and meaningful conversations of, of depth. We have more of that with people that we can meet, that we may only ever meet and see once, we can have a more connected, real, authentic conversation on the road with a so-called stranger than I was realising I was able to have with some of the people that I had gone back that yeah. were my and friends. And we changed. Yeah, and, you know, we could, we could have a long conversation just about that because I think that that is kind of one of the big problems with our society is the busy, 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 but yeah. the true connections are lacking in our, in our sense of community. And, but that's a whole nother, uh, that's a whole nother podcast. It, anyway. is, it is a whole other podcast, but you know, I, I do also think that it's challenging for other people. And I don't even know that it's a conscious awareness, but unconsciously, when you go out and do something in your life, not just us, but anybody that you know, you either say what you go, you said you were going to do or you go and do something that really is honouring yourself and your dreams, it kind of unconsciously sends a message to the other person, well, why aren't I doing that? And it, it kind of makes them realise, well, if they can do it, why can't I do it? But they may, it may be a little bit, they may not be ready to face that. And so it's uncomfortable. And so maybe they don't, or maybe they just really don't want to hear that your life's great and you're having a great time and you're seeing because maybe their life isn't like, I mean, I do know some people like that where I think they really, they really don't want to hear it. And, you know, that's, that's fine. That's, you know, we respect that, that we're not, we're not out trying to advertise that to anybody. We just sure. really want to catch up to see what's been going on with them because right. they hear enough through our blogs and our email newsletters. We don't need to tell them what we've been doing. They know. <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, so, yeah. well, now, what's the next step for um, you and Mark? Um, where are you heading? Do you have the next year planned out, the next six months, two days? How's that work? Well, we're making our way across to the East Coast, to the northeast to Maine, which we haven't done the East Coast yet. We started out in the West in 2014. And I mean, this is a big country, and there's a lot to see. And so we like to take our time and spend, you know, at least one, two or three weeks in each location. So we're taking our time getting across to Maine. We're currently in Michigan and we'll be in Niagara Falls in about a week and a half. And then after that, we'll be in Maine for six weeks and then we'll make our way down the East Coast and be in Florida by December because that's where everyone flocks south for the winter where it's nice and warm. And we'll be down there for at least two or three months and then do some of the southern states as well, which will take us into early 2016. But I actually have our, uh, the majority of our itinerary and, and where we'll stay already um, mapped out, even if they haven't been reserved yet, they're, they're, at least they're on the calendar of where we aim to be and when, right up until the 31st of December, which, which doesn't sound like it allows much room for spontaneity, but we have so much spontaneity within our everyday life anyway that it, it actually gives us a lot of certainty and peace of mind knowing that where we're going to be parked, we have good cell coverage so we know we can work, because you have to be flexible. So, yeah. So and that's, your day excursions are your adventures too. 
Absolutely. Like, you know, we, we can, after work, so it's, it's daylight savings still in the summer, which is fabulous. So when Mark finishes work, we can go out and do another three or four hours of exploring before it even gets dark. Where there was one day last year, Mark, we were on uh, Pacific time. That's the other thing is our time zone is changing all of the time. So his, his and my working hours change in line with that. So when we were in the, on the West Coast, he would be finishing work at 3.30 in the afternoon. So we'd be in the mini by four, we'd put the top down, drive around Lake Tahoe, do some exploring, stop off, take photos, go for dinner and then take photos of the sunset. And, and it felt like a whole other day. It felt right, like, like a, a two days in one. <laughs> and it was a weekday, it was a Tuesday afternoon. It was fantastic. So, so that's what I think is, you know, there's just so much more life in our life because we're just not running around doing errands. When we were back in Colorado, all of the driving we did felt like we were running errands the whole time. Here, when we're out driving, even if we're doing errands, like going to do the grocery shopping, it feels like you're exploring because right. you see new places. So, yeah. so um, yeah, it's definitely you know part of the everyday. So that's where spontaneity comes in. Well, now, um, and then part of your um, sort of tagline is fulfilling our lifelong mission to explore the world. Do you think you'll go beyond North America at some point? Yes, definitely. We, you know, now whether we do it with this coach, probably not, because it's not really feasible uh, either financially or just with all of the loopholes involved to ship this thing to another country. And frankly, you know, other countries aren't designed like the U.S. roads and highways and campgrounds are amazing for large vehicles like ours. But we definitely want to spend some more time in Australia, where I'm from, and you know, we may or may not do that um, traveling in a in an RV we're not we're not sure yet but we definitely want to go to Europe and and I am fortunate that I my dad was English and so were his parents so I actually have a British passport as well as an Australian passport That's so key that is that is a big big thing for our ability to to be more global is to be able to legally live in other countries is right. huge so we're right. very grateful and blessed for that and so that's definitely an opportunity that we plan to take up at some point in time. Well, you know, um, I, I almost don't even need to ask, but um, would you, uh, just as a last bit of uh, advice, would you do it all over again? Absolutely, yeah. It's, you know, there, there are just no guarantees in life, Ingrid, and, and I think so many people hold off on their dreams because they, they're trying to plan things out to the nth degree, and, and I, I get the whole you know, need to focus on retirement and financial security and stability. And we're certainly not ignorant to that and we don't ignore that either. But what we've done is just kind of repurpose what we already have in creative ways to be able to, how do we have the best of both worlds? Because, you know, we don't need a big house. We had a, you know, 1800 square foot town home, which was more than big enough for us. And if ever we did end up with another home again or a, an apartment or something, it would be small. We, we don't want anything big. We don't, we, the, the freedom you feel of not being so tied down by things, things to do and chores and, and the financial responsibility of it. Because, you know, so many people we know are stressed financially trying to keep up with their lifestyle. And that's, that's not very freeing. Yeah. So, you know, the other thing we've realized is, like you said, when you went and traveled, traveled the world for a year, is that you can live more inexpensively in other places. So I think a lot of people's idea on how much you need for retirement can vary quite vastly depending on how and where you're willing to live. And, uh, 
you know, it doesn't have to be in a house in California, you know, costing you paying high, high tax rates and that kind of a thing. There are definitely different, different ways to do it. It just, you know, it's just like anything. Do your research and, and start exploring because it's easy for us to try and make up these ideas in our head without really getting the facts. And we end up making decisions on ideas of things rather than the facts of things. Well, you know what? I'll just quote you actually with what you wrote in your, one of your blog posts. Sometimes it just takes an open mind, creative thinking, some hard work or not, a spot of planning, patience, a good dose of courage, and of course, the willingness to face your fears. Take a risk and just go for it. I love that. Oh, thank you. Which blog post was that? That's good. That was pretty good what you wrote, isn't it? Oh, thank you. Well, thank you, Julie. It's been wonderful to talk to you. I am definitely a follower of your blog, and I, I can't wait to see what happens next. Thank you so much, Ingrid. It's been a pleasure. Okay. For more information, go to chakalife.com. <laughs>